This is Talking Hardcore, the podcast for people who love hardcore history. You study history because it allows us to understand the present and prepare for the future. I'm not trolling. And okay. I love it's, it. I'm, I'm just pointing out where they're wrong. The Talking Hardcore podcast is presented by Ace Industrial Solutions. Are you in need of skilled trade professionals for your next project? Look no further. Cheers. Matt, Cheers. you got a drink? Yeah, I got yeah, a Jack? Uh, gin and tonic right here. Okay. Or a gin, well, and gin, gin, gin and ginger beer, actually. Okay, so let's just say gin and juice so you sound more manly. Stepping on gin and juice. <laughs> All right, and what are you drinking, really Scott? Uh, rum. Straight. Rum. I'm having an old-fashioned. Jack's drinking whiskey. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for Cheers. Jack making another book club event. Yep, and this shit's poison, and it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we'll wipe. Life is well, crazy. Well, that was from, I was uh, quoting, uh, what was that? God, Role Models. Mm. When he was drinking, like, okay. the Deep Pull. That was a funny movie. The Minotaur. Have you ever seen that movie, by the way? <laughs> God, that's a funny movie. These two dudes end up having to mentor kids that are into live-action role-playing. Live-action uh, LARPing, you LARP, know? Yep, LARPing. Oh, man, yeah. is it funny. So Sean uh-huh. Austin Scott or whatever from Stifler. And Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd. Yeah. Are mentoring a bunch of dudes that run around with wooden swords being dorks. It's very funny. Okay. I think I've seen that movie. Are you ready to talk about the book? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jack, you ready? We're just going to engage with you directly here, Jack. So Because there's nobody. If you want to jump on stage and talk, you can. But you don't have to. All right. So, Indy by Eve Ball. Recommended. By the one and only Dan Carlin, which is why I think we got such a big turnout today. <laughs> yeah, we got the hate. We got the same turnout we usually get. Yeah, it didn't hurt. Awesome. It didn't hurt. I'm just glad that we get to have a fun conversation. Okay, let's go first. A recap of the book, Indie by Eve Ball, is a book where she, uh, today we're doing part one, the first part, first half of the book. Would it kill you to say Inda? I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. So there'd be inda, which means the living, and inde is the dead. Not indeed. So it's inde. Yeah. Okay, fine. Grammar police are... Well, anyway. come on, at least get it right. Okay, inde. Close enough. We'll go with inde. Okay. It's a book about the Apache at the end of the Indian Wars, and it was written by Eve Ball, who interviewed the last surviving members of the Apache tribe primarily Doc Lugie, who was the son of Ju, is one way to say it. Or Ho. Or Ho. Or Wo. And the nephew of Geronimo, and was with Geronimo at his when he died. So, very interesting take. Well, yeah, Jack, yeah, if mean, you want to join the stage, I think you can just hit join stage. Yeah, yeah pop you can have a conversation Jack. with us. All you got to do is hit join stage, I believe. I don't think we have it limited to anybody. I mean, if we did, we would kick Scott off. <laughs> Be my guest. You, you, you want to roll you this? Like with, somebody just you, shitting your cereal. You want to run this without me? Go ahead. God, like that would be hard. You do nothing but show up and talk. <laughs> That's the whole the point of the hard podcast. part is me. That's the whole point of the podcast. Ooh, the hard part's all me. Editing. Finding Matt's making theme music for us. I happen to think that financially, <laughs> financially back. That's the sponsor, not you. 
He's getting his money's worth out of all of us, Scott. Like, don't worry. Yeah, Dan Carlin I is on your your episode, your spot, your company got listen got a a plug in countries all over the world thanks to Dan Carlin being on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. You could wear an ace shirt to Jamaica and people might be like, Oh, I heard about you on uh, talking hardcore with Dan Carlin on that episode. Yeah, Bobby. Well, I wasn't trying to do Jamaican accent because I know I can't. Oh, I shouldn't. Okay, so Jack said it didn't work, but I think he just didn't want it to work because he does not want it to be talking. So, Jack, just type if you want to come on and or if you want to say something either way. Okay, so Indy. Right. Okay. so basically this whole book is just a primary source bonanza. She interviewed all of these Apaches and just throws puts tries puts their accounts into some kind of chronological order or tries to tries to it's very hard sometimes to follow exactly where we are timeline wise because she switches back and forth of during the different narrators i feel like it would be easier to read this if i had a spreadsheet or excuse me like a flow chart that showed the different people and i could follow their narratives like it's a little tricky yeah but at one point in the book she's talking about how Mm-hmm. And then all like him dying, like mm-hmm. falling off his horse and dying. Yep. And then the next paragraph, she's talking about him doing like a because it's a different person's I know perspective, I'm... and that's why I had to start paying more attention to when she says this speaker. So it's hard to keep track of them all. But also great book. Yeah. Because you've got to preserve these primary sources. Well, you know the other thing that was very interesting to me, and and as we and I'm only halfway through the book, but the the interesting thing is 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 how the US government was telling the officers that were going to be inter, like going to be dealing with the the native americans mm-hmm. and, and what the the policy changes were mm. so like the first guy uh, what was his name uh God. which one there's a call there's a call, call uh, yeah don't worry about it anyway the first guy was a jerk and he wanted them all moved to this mm-hmm. like really crappy was it sand something yep um and then the next guy was, you know, more Bartlett or something like that. Yeah, Bartlett was more. He was good. He was their Indian agent, and he was really represented their interests. And then the next guy was, you know, Dick. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting how, like, uh-huh. you know, but the orders. They even said, "Well, my orders are to make sure that you know you have a here's the food you're supposed to be getting, here's the money you're supposed to be getting." Like, which we'll come back to because I find that interesting. All right, Matt, but let's jump to you. What thoughts do you have about the first half of this book? And let's get into it. Well, yeah, first of all, I mean, I think you said it, George, and this is remarkable, uh, just why, you know, why Dan probably uh, recommended it. Mm-hmm. it. It leaps to mind as one of the few very valuable primary sources we have into just a, a probably otherwise largely unlimited portion of history in general, especially American history. Um, let's hear it from right. all sides, right? And right. just diving into the Apache side of things, their culture is just, you can see why young boys, Dan Carlin, everybody who reads this just falls in love with that lifestyle, right? Not only do you have the warriors, but you have really the peaceful village life in a way. They have the support of their families and and um, and it, rural, rural farming and, and just growing crops, you know, but still going out on raids and and. It is very exciting, and it's just to think mm-hmm. that this is how America was for so long. Um, it's it's just everywhere. If you go back far enough, recommended right? it, and I'm glad we read it for the book club tonight. Me too. 
But if you go back far enough, Matt, that's everywhere. It right? is everybody. Tribal... And that's why I like it too, because I, I, I love human prehistory and it's just yes. so hard to find any real about it. But you have it. Like, this is a Stone yep. Age civilization right here. And we have right. incredible records of them thanks to this and woman. People and people were alive from that era 80 years ago. Yeah. Less than yeah. 80 years ago, 60 years ago. Yeah, that's remember? pretty And that's one thing I have crazy. marked here. I, I have a few things marked, and it's. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead. We'll go through your notes really and then we'll get into mine. We had no written language and were forced to remember what we're, or we're told. Mm-hmm. So they huge, structured. Man. Huge. Right. And so is that when he's talking about it, he's talking about how important that was. Right. How they they, if you told one lie in something like that, you were never trusted again because it had they had to have rigid uh, an entry in a history book. Yeah. You had to have rigid structure for truth telling for that. That Otherwise, you were going to lose a lot. Yeah. The training and the discipline and the. Mm-hmm. The reverence for oh man stories for history mm-hmm. passed down in the oral tradition from one generation to the next. It right. bonds a, a, a society together. It it has all mm-hmm. the things that you just talked about, where like every word yep. is important to remember. Just the same, and to hear these stories that are ages old is just chilling, man. I mean, it's just so yeah. And then you you have people nowadays that want to dim- dismiss oral histories as though. They can't be relied upon. You read, yeah. you read that, you read that passage, and it seems like you're talking about a barbarian culture. But when you really dive into it, mm-hmm. it's actually much more advanced. Because how because, easy is it to yeah. look something up on this or just to write it down? But when mm-hmm. you have to remember it, every mm-hmm. person, every member of your tribe is a repository. You know, those who receive the, the, the stories and the people who were bad at it didn't get if, to reproduce. If our civilization collapsed yeah. tomorrow. And nobody had their mm-hmm. bones to refer to. Like, how many people can restart human civilization? These people can restart their own culture, every single one of them, because they all received mm-hmm. their True. Although. And, and I, I, mean, I think that going back, just to go, just to kind of get a wide yeah. angle here for a minute. Let's do it. It I might get weird. the way it was anyways, just because there was no written language for so long. But let's talk about, like, possibly the pre-Diluvian cultures that existed in maybe North America and going to dive into some grand hand talk territory here but a society if you're a civilization that it experienced a total collapse because no because of some natural catastrophe and you realize that writing things down on pieces of paper or what wasn't useful anymore the only way you could really pass on history and culture and knowledge of Mm -hmm. technology or whatever you want to do restart restart your civilization was to make every person a computer in that regard, every person a well, record of your own history. Well, there were tribes that wrote stuff down, right? Okay, yeah, sure. But yeah. I think the Apaches were probably not one of them because they were nomads, right? If you're traveling the way they did, constantly moving and chasing yeah. game, tablets, yeah. paper, right? That's all stuff you have to carry. This shit's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. You have to have the resources. It, even before European contact, it does not sound like they were doing really well, right? It's a tough life where they chose to live, which is why they were so hard to conquer anyway, because it made them hard as shit. But Jack put a little voice memo here. We're going to press this and see what it says. 
Okay, I think he did it by accident. <laughs> Don't worry, Jack. We got you. He's All right. So, but that is that is an interesting thing too, because Matt, not only were you talking about if they had a, a civilization civilization collapse, by the time they were running into the Mexicans, ah, by the time they were running into the Mexicans and the Americans. They had just been through a civilization collapse a couple hundred years ago from smallpox. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Eight, that 80 to 90% of all first nation right. people were killed off by disease, largely smallpox. Yeah. 80 to 90%. I mean, that's devastating. We can't imagine. Right. And that's why, one, it was so easy for the Americans to take all of North America. In the Spanish, yeah, it I mean, was. If you think about it, look at how hard the Spanish had it before that. Sure, they had to fight, and that was as they gun. were dying, right? Yeah. Whereas, but by the time the people, Americans got to the Apache, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was the invisible agent that opened the gates of the castle, falling conquerors. Right. It, it made it so that instead of having something like Rome had with Europe, where maybe Rome was in charge, but those peoples were still there and they were just kind of brought into the fold. The land was mostly empty because so many Native Americans had died. And then you had to right? bring people in to work the land. So they brought in African mm-hmm. Africans, right, who were resistant right. to the disease and that were, you know, a lot of the slaves trade came from. Right. And um or, and or that even cultures that still in this day. Right. Or even just the the pilgrims and the and the the settlers who were going out there to make it yeah, themselves. Yeah, were you gonna? They were they were just giving away land, right. died on that land from smallpox. Right, but I mean, in what my do you town, do? in my town of uh, Port Angeles, Washington, they were mm-hmm. building a marina and they found a grave of First Nation people who died from disease. It's like wow. right here. It's a big deal. There's a whole thing then, about it here. That's crazy. And then yeah, well, you think about it, Matt. Is nature abhors a vacuum, right? It does. Evolution doesn't allow vacuums. Okay, species move in. Other animals of the same species move in. It's just the way nature works. Well, look at that's why we had the over the, that the theory is that's why we had so many buffalo. Right. It's because there was so many Native Americans had died off that the buffalo so, population soared. Yep. Because they had no natural. So it wasn't sense. normally that high. Right. It wasn't normally thirty to sixty million, like when the Europeans finally got out west, and they're like, holy shit. Yeah, but it was only like that because so many Native Americans had died. Yep. And the other thing is, is it totally changed all their cultures. There was a lot of tribes of Native Americans that were actually settled and farmers. But when so many people died and then there's all these buffalo, they're like, well, I'm not going to farm. I can just follow these buffalo and shoot one every once in a while. And I'm yeah. living high on the hog. Yep. And then we're the all thing, you know what? That sounds genius to me. Like that's a nice yeah. way to make a living. Animals know than, the land. I mean, they are so attuned yep. to that you just you learn from the animal as you hunt them, right? About how to live in that environment, right? Well, and if they'll take you to the water. Them. They'll take you to the water. Mm-hmm. They know yeah. where the water is at. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's find uh, here. Jack said, "I can say from anecdotal experience of being a." Th- uh, through hiker of how living outside affects the cultures of how stories and words of mouth is super important on a trail you get trail named and who you are known as is a story of itself people who are built bullshit are easy found out and shunned 
I, I, I can see that. Wow. Yep. That's still, that's a that's great point. Great. That's a great point. Those kind of, those kind of things where you're out there and you're actually doing stuff, right? It's harder for people to bullshit. That's why cities are led to more, well, to, to psychopaths and sociopaths being able to thrive better because there's a certain percentage of humans. This is what I read anyway. Certain percentage of humans are going to be psychopaths or sociopaths, but in tribal societies, they're outcast and shunned. So they don't even get to reproduce right now. But in cities, there's so many people that it's easier for them to hide. Yeah. Cause there's an anonymity. I, I see it as being fewer immediate consequences. Yeah. Um, you can say anything, be anyone, you can, you know, what, what what's the equivalent of good advice right. in a city? Directions. Oh, excuse me, sir, can you tell me how to get the blah, blah, blah? Sure, you go down three blocks. Well, I'm just going to mess with somebody or I don't know, and I'm going to lie to make myself look good. And then right. I send you on the wrong path or, you know, committing crimes or whatever. You can disappear to that vast Anonymity. population or, or be, yep. be anyone. Whereas in a small tribal society, you are just by your character, you know, absolutely. You have to and be. the things you you do and your value to the tribe is incredibly important because the whole tribe relies on everybody okay yeah, if you lie so, if you're weak you know it's not just maybe just about and what happens weak, if you get shunned and if you get shunned you don't get to reproduce and you I'm probably all about die. that man i am all about um laws being enforced by cultural impetus and you know call it for a lack of mm-hmm. a better word pressure um mm-hmm. rather than just some third party force coming down and saying this is the law of the land we're going to enforce it blindly for all people i mean it's important be, having well, the law be blind for all people is a good thing in a certain regard but when well, it's when when you have your peers um when you want to be of value when when you don't want mm-hmm. to mess up for your tribe when you when you want to be helpful and truthful and honest that mm-hmm. is much more of a motivation to not commit crimes than mm-hmm. is go- being sent to prison. You know, it really sure. Is. Deterrence is not that effective. So, but that you know what the... you're saying. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. What Jack was saying reminded me of like that that guy that uh, killed. Uh, God, what was it? I don't, anyway, I'm terrible with names, and I forgot to take notes. But the the one guy that killed. Um, the guy said, don't come any closer if you want any trouble. Right. He didn't, you know, he shot up, you know, just gave mm-hmm. a warning shot. And the, the other guy, yeah, the other guy shot him. Right. And the, the guy that shot What's-His-Face, like, ended up shunning himself because yeah. he murdered No, someone. no, no, no. Yes. Yeah. But he shot at somebody who shot at him. Yeah, I know. But, but he, what he, I think what the author thought is he wasn't shunning himself for shooting the guy. He was shunning himself for not speaking up right away. Yeah. And not having the balls to say to that guy's mom, no, I shot him. Yeah. And letting the other guy but stay quiet and take the fault. But that's why he was, you know, he, but, he shunned himself. Yeah. That was the story. The guy walked off and, and, and roamed the land alone. Yep. And eventually just died. died. And they found his skeleton. Yep. One of the things that I did find really interesting from the book, though, Matt, is the the stories. You see that these these really are like just like it's a great way to illustrate that they are just like everybody else, right? When you read these stories, you hear him talk about mistakes. Doc Louie talked about mistakes that he made when he was young and and impetus things he did as a child, just <laughs> a regular European child would do. Here they are 
fighting for their lives and warring and he's running off doing dumb shit with his friend because they want to be grown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, I, that's relatable. Yep, for sure. You know? it totally. Kids is. all do that, even in trying times, right? Yeah. Okay. It just depends on what you're leading them towards. Right. This really, this really brought up to me this whole book, though. It's really just making me think about Dan's Lost Cause podcast. Why we love a lost cause, right? The 300, Geronimo, they never had an effing chance, right? And they knew it. That's why they called themselves the Indy. Inde? Inda. Inda. The dead. We're all dead. In the book, day one. he explains that accordingly. the Apaches called themselves the Inde, the dead, and the white people, the Inda, Inda which was the living. So they knew their culture was dead. Like it, George. Yeah. Good job. And you know what? I don't know any way they could have saved it. I can't think See, of a word. Fanaticism, um, mm-hmm. that immediately calls to mind in Ghost of the Oz Front, where the average Russian soldier was flinging himself into combat with the grim abandon of one already dead, because they knew God. their land. Right. It didn't matter. Their life didn't matter. They were there to take bullets for someone else to get through. You know what I mean? Like, right. When you were faced with such an enemy, you have to abandon self. And that's what they did. Yeah. Well, and even then, right? I mean, when you get to the point where Geronimo surrenders, I mean, it was the either that or they'd never see their families again. And they just all live out in the out in the wild for, you know, forever or until they, they until they were killed. Until they were caught, which maybe yeah. would have never happened. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We're getting, the, we're getting into sad stuff now. I mean, maybe that's more well, so, into the first half. But um, I just, I, I'd right. like to just give them props. Um, so for, as far mm-hmm. as the rating, um, I have a couple mm-hmm. passages marked here. Kni- yeah, knives were it. distributed next, and a second mule load of ammunition. So they liked mule. They liked clothing. Things were useful. But when we get <laughs> to the gold and the silver that the Mexicans right. are mining, first of all, they weren't allowed to touch the gold. But, you know, but silver, they can, like, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, that is not right. their rules. But um, they didn't like the Mexicans mining the earth because it caused earthquakes, they believed, and they were afraid of earthquakes. It, it made sense. their god mining, You know, I'll go after mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But the last mule had, load had consisted of two huge cowhide bags full of the yellow metals that the white eye. When mm-hmm. they were empty before my father, he was indignant. He asked who had been so foolish as to bring that youth back from a raid. Didn't we know that bullets made of either were worthless? So they're interested in practical things, right? And also when we get sure. to scalping, they didn't start the scalping. They, they did it in retaliation or sometimes they took one scalp for a traditional Maybe. dance. Right, right. But they say they, like, they didn't practice the scalping. The Mexicans started it. Right. Why did I started it? So why did they hate it so much, you know? Right. Um, but maybe maybe it was a different tribe. Right, that's the thing that's hard yeah, to remember maybe, too. Is Doc Ricky when yeah, he's talking about we? He's talking about not just the Apache. He's talking about his little tribe of Apache. That's a good point. They good they point. differentiate each other so much that it's really hard to follow. Yeah. Right, and the Bendokahe and the the Neche or whatever. I can't even pronounce them all, but yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to follow that. Right, and and I well I believe that yeah. He's right. They they probably didn't start the scalping, but we don't know who did. But we do know that True. the Mexicans and sometimes even the Americans put bounties on scalps. Right. 
Yeah. And that only escalates. But this is what happens because all these rumors were flying around about the Apache torturing and everything. And Doc Lugie says, we didn't do that. That was all blown out of proportion. And maybe it was. Who knows? One side says one thing. One side says the other. We, I don't know where the truth is. Yeah. But you've got to hear both sides. Go ahead, Matt. Remember in your cover in our, uh, when we were talking about the Tears episode last time, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about how you see Apaches were really some of the ultimate warriors that you know anyone of uh, from the colonization side mm-hmm. of things encountered, and so that may maybe why it's so fascinating, and that you know what's not feel so bad for some people who were badasses in their time and went down fighting. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. that was great, and I just there's a little bit about their prowess here. Um, the Mexicans had always insisted that a pistol is a better weapon than a bow and arrow, but this was when to, um, there were only muzzle-loading guns. If an Apache right. with yeah. a bow and arrow had to fight a Mexican with a gun, the Apache mm-hmm. lured the Mexican to fire both his rifle and, and his pistol. If he had mm-hmm. both, then the Mexican had to reload before firing again. While the Mexican yeah. was reloading, the Apache would run in, firing arrows as he came. If he missed, he was killed. Yeah. But I knew men who could put seven arrows in the air before the first one that was fired fell to the earth. Right. Right. And this is why the invention of the of the revolver and the repeating rifle, the repeating rifle changer. Yeah. was why the drama wasn't able to be able to win. Or the howitzers or cannon. Like right. cannon's not as big a deal. Like howitzers. Howitzers. Yeah. Cannon is a big show. But really, not right. that effective in land warfare when you're fighting yeah, a small group of people. Multiple repeating, instantly firing yep. rounds is what you're talking about, George. Right? Yeah. Okay, so Jack, I love this. I was actually going to bring this up. It says y'all have any thoughts on the baby kill, baby kid stealing, raising captives as your own, increasing your numbers? I absolutely do, Jack. I'm glad you asked. I'm anti baby <laughs> stealing. <laughs> I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm going to come out hard on this issue. Why would I want that headache? Right. So the thing is, native tribes, or tribes of people do this all the or have done this all the time, because sometimes that was the only way to grow your numbers. Yeah. And what's the best resource you could have? It's not a buffalo. It's yep. another human. Yep. Because that's another thinking, smart person that can add to the tribe. And they got pretty good at assimilating those people. There's all kinds of stories of of kidnapped white people and Mexican people who went native, basically, and ended up. And, and and you can understand that because that kind of lifestyle will will be alluring to some people. Dances with wolves. Yeah, but sometimes that's kind of true, right? Sure. But also, you know, sometimes Native Americans were brutal and were killing babies. And 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 listen, you steal the kid, the parents are going to be pissed. Yeah. And and how are you ever going to have peace with the society where their whole fundamental culture? requires them to raid, and part of that raiding is taking kids so that they don't die out. Now, maybe that wouldn't have been as common before the smallpox, but it was inevitable now. Yeah. And what do you, I mean, or if you kill the kid's parents, what are you going to do with the, I mean, you take the kid. Well, you, well, often they would kill the dad. Yeah. Kill the dad, take the wife. And now that gets to another point later in the book where the, 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 the one kid and the mom get, get, get captured and taken into the camp. And they were a different type of Native American. They get taken into the camp. And I think it was Jew or Ho, Ho, right? 
I think that's who it was. Basically, you know, said, okay, we're, he picked his wife that he wanted out of the captives. Yeah. Then the next guy in charge got to pick his wife. And then the next guy got to pick his wife. And then because that wife had a kid, then that dude raised that kid, the, his stepson, to be his his uh, his son. Yeah. And the kid that talked about it, that he really the way he's talking, because it's this uh, Charlie Smith story. He's talking, and he was a talking about like so when he when the mom takes him, or when he gets chosen with the mom to go to this guy, she says, "Now you do what he says. You don't ever look like you're not happy. You do all these things, right?" And it sounds like he starts to really love the guy. You know, that's a thing. Yeah. But that doesn't make it okay to steal people's kids. Yeah, <laughs> it does not. No, you know. So now here we go. Jack I like popped this. up again with an thought. Jack, yeah. thank you so much. This is great. What was also common is marriage with neighboring bands and forming a family bond to defend each other. Yep. There's an interesting mention of how incest and inbreeding was a non-factor for these people. That's because I, they knew that it could be a problem. Yep. So they had strict cultural rules against it. So the one story. No, and, and what they were doing, Jack, and, and I think this was mentioned, like Eve Ball mm-hmm. threw a little disclaimer in there or a little caveat and said, mm-hmm. you know, much like how, you know, the, the royal families of Europe would, you know, marry their daughter off to some other son. So then they had allies to, yeah. to link up with later. Right. But, but then one of the on. other things that was interesting is at one point, one of the people she was talking to mentioned how they were married. But her dad made him, and this was a confusing way it was written. Her dad made her divorce her husband yep. because he believed that the husband was actually Geronimo's kid and not the kid of the who who was supposedly his dad. Yep. And that would have made them related. Yep. Right. And and so strict cultural forbid that because with that few of a people, if you don't have those things in place, you will end up with incest. So you have to interbreed with the other tribes, right? You have to. Sometimes it's done peacefully. Yeah. But then if you're at war, it's done with a lot of stealing and raping and, 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 and you know, raising their kids to be yours. The other thing, and I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if anybody else got to this part in the book yet, but they were talking about like slave women. Uh, when they were talking about, yeah. uh, um, yeah, Cochise's wife, or was mm-hmm. it Cochise's wife? I think so. And it's how she had like slave women, like mm-hmm. three or four women. Yeah, that was really on. Yeah, yeah, that was at the very beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. No, it was Jew's wife had slaves. Ho's wife. Ho, Jew, Ho, whatever. Oh. It was J U H. Yeah, Jew, Ho. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm Ho. It doesn't sound. It seems. It said Ho. It, that's Wale. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Jew. Okay. So anyway. Uh, it, but they they mentioned that at the beginning of the book, and I haven't had another mention of that. Later on, so far, I think these things were going poorly, so they had less slaves. Got, then who were the slaves? Were they Captives. white? Were they okay, uh, fellow Native Americans or white women or Mexican women Both, or all of the above? Just anybody? Yeah. No. When you go raiding, you kill the dude. If you kill, if you shoot the wife, okay. But if you don't, you take her. Now she's either a wife or a slave. Well, you had to, right? That's kind of how it worked. But then you have a camp full of. Slavery is just as old as time. Yeah, I mean, humans are resources, right? That's more hands to get things done. I got you. I just thought it was interesting. Oh, it is interesting. No, definitely. And Jack, thanks for the point. That was a good one to talk about. You're right, David. When you're reading the book, it just constantly is talking about how this tribe, so-and-so was his cousin or his brother's wife's tribe. And And it actually gets so it's hard to follow for me. 
mostly because I don't think I had enough of a knowledge going into the book. I think this book kind of presupposes a lot of knowledge of Native American history because mm-hmm. this is her later on book. She yep. wrote this down yeah. the road. And I don't have that knowledge. And I, I'm picking it up from the context and stuff. So it is filling in the blanks as I get further in the book. But it makes it hard to follow a little bit. Well, and then it jumps from like stories about Ho and stories about Cochise and stories about Geronimo. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, but, and they, they kind of like bounce around in between chapters. But too. as it's getting further into it, that's stopping. And it's getting more of a, because Doc Lugie's getting older. Yeah. Okay, so the stories start to come directly from him. Gotcha. Which brings me to my favorite story that I thought, okay, I'm going to tell you guys my favorite part of the book, and then you guys can jump in with yours. Jack, this is your chance to think about what you wanted to say is your favorite part of the book. Mine is when him and Frank Mungus, Mangus, 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 Colorado. No, his son. Oh, okay, yep. Frank, which is hilarious because he goes, yeah, Mangus, Colorado's son, Frank. Yeah, I remember that. That's and I just, I was like, okay, I, that must have been the name they gave him, or maybe some of these tribes were giving them real English names too. I don't know. But him and Frank go to steal weapons from the fort. Yep. Okay, Matt, do you remember this part? Yeah. So they climb into the fort at night, sneak into this room, grab some guns. They can't see anything. Yeah. Grab boxes of shells and they're like, well, these seem huge. That's weird. <laughs> and some pistols, right? They get back to the camp and show, um, um, no, I'm sorry, Mangus Colorado's son is the, the chief. Yeah. Not Frank. Frank is his, the grandson. But so they show the chief of this little tribe of them the gun and it's a freaking double barrel. And they look at the shells and like, what the hell do we do with these? So he loads, <laughs> the dude loads the shells in, the chief, and he shoots at the tree. And nothing happens to the tree except he, Doc Lugie says it seemed like the bullet broke up into a bunch of pieces. And they turn around and the chief's getting up off the ground. <laughs> thinking they did this shit on purpose. So they run. <laughs> right? They just take off. And then he sh- they, they see the pistols he brought. They're like, what is this trash? All right. Yeah. And Doc Lugie says, and that was the first time I saw a shotgun in a 38. Insane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Insane I mean, just a great. That was the too. best story so far in the first it half of that book, totally, I thought. Man. That's the best. I mean, just humanizes it. They're, they're breaking, it they're climbing up the fort wall, going down the century stops, yeah. and they have to freeze on the wall. I mean, it's right out of a, right out of a movie. And you know what? Totally it probably did. happened. Oh, that sure. shit happened in real life. Now, maybe he dramatized it a bit or maybe not. Well, but the shotgun knocking the dude over, if you've never shot a shotgun yeah. before oh, and you don't have it against yeah, yeah. your shoulder right or something, you I, gotta can, lean into I it. could easily see that happen, right? Damn it. Yep. And, and, and he's like, he's just so pissed. They just, they, he goes, we knew we had to not be there. Yeah. <laughs> and we ran. And then when he when he called them back to the, the the finally after he yelled at them a while, he called them back and they came back, but they wouldn't get close enough for him to reach them. <laughs> and I go, Holy shit, I've been there before. <laughs> Dad's pissed. Don't get close enough that you can get hit. Right? You come back, but just not in range. Yep, exactly. Right out of arms reach. Oh man, that was funny to me. I, I really, I really <laughs> empathized with that story, right? I really, I really could see that happening. That's cool. Yeah. Scott, do you have a favorite story? Yeah, mine was more like, well, first of all, it would have been uh, 
Well, it about another. It was another breaking and entering story. Mm. At the very beginning of the book, the church when they went to uh, yeah when they went to uh, to uh, break out break their people out of the church, Mm -hmm. and they end up digging through the seat the the ceiling the mud roof yeah the mud roof just to dig them out. Well, no. They they dug into the mud roof of the church. Yeah, and threw in the pepper bomb. Oh, that's right. After blockading all the doors. Yep. So they waited till all the Mexicans went to church so they could break out their comrades that were stuck in this other building, locked in. Yep. They threw in a pepper bomb, and it kills them all. Because if you put all those peppers and all that fire in there, apparently that stuff gets vaporized and it can kill you. Gotcha. That's crazy. Well, yeah, because they did that earlier. They did that later too. Well, because then he said, "If you think that can't kill you, you've never been around one." Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And so they're all barricaded in there, and they go break their people out. And that's what they—that's when they stole the mule with the gold and the silver. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing. You know, I—you would assume that since they had been around the Mexicans and the Americans enough that they would know they could trade the gold and silver that they didn't dig up mm-hmm. for you know for guns and ammunition. And I, I'm sure they did. I think that story was something Doc Lugie said to try to highlight the difference between his people and the Americans and the Mexicans. And I don't think for a second that that's actually what happened. I was going to say that when Matt talked and then I forgot. I think they knew that they could buy a shit ton of ammunition if they had that gold and silver. And if they couldn't buy that, they could buy food. And then that would leave them more things to get with ammunition. Yeah. So because there was always people they were trading with. Yep. I doubt that they just were like, oh, this gold and silver is useless. But I think it was an allegory, a story that he would tell when he's telling these stories to the kids of the Apache and his, well, his kids and grandkids to highlight what their culture was like before that. They didn't have money like that. They didn't think about gold and silver. Precious metals weren't important. Food and shelter. Turquoise was, though. Mm. They'll talk about turquoise. That's true. That's true. All right, Matt, Jack what are has your a favorites? Story. Oh, sorry, Jack. Okay. Uh, just really quick, yeah, before we get to that, I like mm-hmm. the raid story, too, um, in the beginning as well, Scott. That there was one where they're sneaking in, and they uh, dude sees, like, a guy kneeling before a statue of their named god who's been nailed to a cross, and they're like, we yep. would never told somebody like that. What is going on? And then he sees, it, he sees his shaved head, and he's like, he's been scalped. It's just an interesting yeah. depiction of, the, of the, how one culture understands the other. But uh, Jack has a favorite story here, if you want to read it, George. Okay, but Matt, we'll come back to that because I think that's that's interesting too. Yeah, the yeah, two cool. religions and the way they play off yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget the three-headed god. Right. My favorite part, Jack says. Okay, and again, this is simple, Jack. He was in Tropic Thunder. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part of the book was when they were going over a story about how they were camped somewhere and the white eyes grabbed some of the men because some carriage was raided or whatever. The torture was described for how they were trying to get a captive to confess. He did not confess. Eve Ball then asked, where did they hide the stuff when they raided? And he says, you're pretty smart for a white lady. This is important (laughs) to keep in mind because although many people portray themselves as honest people, they may not be telling a lie, but you have to pay attention to where they may be misdirection about the truth. And then he tells Mm. her, Jack, that was a great story because then he tells her, don't go looking for this. You might die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Come back. Basically, that is still out there somewhere. And wow. so that was Jew, I believe, who was getting tortured. They they starved him. Or no, they yeah, they starved him and they and they threatened him and all that. And he's just kept saying he didn't do it, he didn't do it. 
But then Doc Lugley basically tells Eve Ball that he did that they did steal that gold, that silver. No, Jack, that's a great story. That was. I forgot about that. I like that one. Okay, Matt, what you brought up I found fascinating because you can basically tell that Doc Lugley really does identify a lot with his God. Which, how do you say that? Do you know how you say his God's name, Matt? Uh, Usin or something? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. We're just going to say the Apache God. And Yeah, yeah, sure. You can tell that he kind of seems to, to feel a lot of similarities between that and the Old Testament God. You know? Hmm. I, I kind of got that picture. But then, and then when he, Scott was mentioning... Then they were talking about how how it got confusing when they were talking or their three headed God and all that, you know, and the Christianity part of it. And yep. that was weird to them. But when you listen to what they said about their God, it sounds a lot like an Old Testament God. hundred percent. Right. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, the God of warrior culture would be so, wouldn't they not? Mhm. Yeah. I mean, everybody back then had to fight for a living, including the Jews, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> but, yeah. that, but then, you know, the, and, and you really need some emotional outlet, some emotional justification, some psychological justification for battle, for raiding, for survival, mm-hmm. and so. Well, what in, I'm confused in, in about to to expand on that, Mac. What what I'm confused about is. They say, well, no, no, uh, no Indian would attack, you know, unless nobody would. Nobody would fight unless they were. It was in defense of themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you? I mean, how did how you square the circle? Yeah, how did raiding because they didn't <laughs> consider that fighting? Well, but, even though you'd kill them, that was different. But that means that's not in the defense then, right? I, th- I think but there might be a them, distinction between anger and necessity. Need resources, so I'm going to take it because that's just how it's done. You know, I. I don't like you or over what did you have. Well, it's I mean, all religions have hypocrisy. Yeah, Matt, you're right. I, I think all in religions... the modern world and with our view of things, like war mm-hmm. has just become generalized, you know? And, and back then there were distinctions about how, how you used violence. Hmm. Right. But also, I think that was all religions have some hypocrisy and you do see a lot of, you do get a lot of, I mean, think about it, the old Testament, right? Thou shall not kill, but it doesn't say thou cannot have war. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Otherwise those religions would have died out. Well, if they really, they would have died out. Well, that was the other thing in the book where, they said, "Oh, well, your Ten Commandments is close to exactly what we have, but they, except for one." Yeah, what was the one they said? Uh, I don't recall. I cannot believe this. So we're recording right, this in my that, basement. That's a good don't one, though. Okay. Yeah. What was the What was the one of the commandments that okay. they didn't follow? And Jack, you're right. It was Usen. U S S E N was the god of the Apache. Thank you. Um, no, there was one of the Ten Commandments that they didn't, they said, except for this one. Yep. 
trying to figure out which one that was. I can't remember. <laughs> this is why we're not there. Ten Commandments. Uh, well, I mean, Matt, did you just say what are the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Covet thy neighbor's wife. You shall have no other gods before me. Does that sound no, like a that wasn't thing? the one. No. You shall not make oh, the Sabbath. Thanks, Jack. Jack coming yeah, through the again. Sabbath. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Sabbath. Okay, Sabbath so next Sabbath. time yeah, we're gonna totally. next time we're gonna get Jack on the freaking yeah, off stage because he's definitely carrying this podcast. Jack, I don't know where you <laughs> went, but <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> carrying the podcast. I like it. Maybe it helps because he doesn't have to think about talking all the time and he's just looking through his notes and ignoring us most of the time. And they say, oh, I know this answer. Well, or maybe he's a savant like his character in the, in, in, in Tropic Thunder. You make me, make me happy. Okay. So let's go with some final thoughts of the book. We should wrap this up before we talk forever. Because um, we have a whole nother section of this book to talk about soon. Yep. So we'll set, that. we'll set that for another three or four weeks just to give everybody time to read it. Meantime, we're going to be doing a rest is history podcast about the rest is history Aztec. So it's kind of like here we're seeing the end of the Indian Wars. And now we're going to go back to the start. Right. Which why the hell not? That's awesome. And if you haven't listened to that podcast series, oh, if you're listening, I am stoked about this. This is uh-huh. absolutely fascinating. Not Do only it. Just the general subject I've read about, but mm-hmm. the- the way it's portrayed by the rest so of history, which we'll be reviewing their perspective primarily, mm-hmm. I suppose. I am very excited about this. Hell yeah. And, so good. And Jack, um, if you haven't heard or if you've listened to if you listen to our uh, podcast with Daniele Bellelli, I went back and listened to Sex, Saki, and uh, <laughs> what was it? So anyway, Ikyu Sojin. Oh, right, right. The Zen guy. Wow. Yeah. Wait, oh, I haven't got to sex, that one yet. It was sex, sake, and zen. That's right. Absolutely. I, <laughs> That's I thought it was going to be way more graphic than it actually was because Daniele gives like a he, disclaimer. Yeah, he lured you in. He did. He did. <laughs> That's clickbait. I he clickbaited loved, you. I loved it. He's like, I'm going to make it sound like it's going to be dirty as hell. Like something. <laughs> something. I was like, click, click, click. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I got to listen to the dirty shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, the uh-huh. stuff that some of the stuff he says was pretty. Uh, I'll check it out. Pretty fast. That's on my list. I tell you, nobody makes titles for podcasts better than Danielle Bullet. I don't. Yeah, and you're right it's about the, the intro music. Like, it's I, dope. I'm like, it's a western. It's like, dope. It opens up. You like just, you just like, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Which I would totally. I can't steal, believe you guys I didn't think... know that was the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, no, no. I knew that it was from a western, but I didn't think he'd actually be able to use the exact. I know. It's always tripped me out. Music. As well. Like, yeah. I guess he's just getting away with it. Nobody's saying shit. I don't know. Which is no, pretty awesome. Maybe he's paying the right people. Ah, uh, yeah, who knows? So yeah, um, I mean, this is just a remarkable. Right. I am looking forward to getting uh back to the second half of it. Um, I'm glad we mm-hmm. digested it in a chunk today. Thank you, Corey, for that recommendation. Yes, um, great call. Just, just an astounding view into a beautiful world, a savage world, and I don't, I don't mean that mm-hmm. just, um, No judgment. I mean, I, I mean that it was brutal. And um, right. we need to realize this is where we come from. These are the things that happen. This is the sa- the soil that we walk on. This is mm-hmm. our land, uh, if you're an American. Yep. And um, if not an American, mm-hmm. it's easy to romanticize all this kind of stuff. And it is romantic in the mm-hmm. big picture. And even in the zoomed-in, small, intimate view with family and cultural life, mm-hmm. farming, 
it is romantic and, and the warrior wife is romantic as well there's a lot of death and hardship and just straight up nasty stuff in there too um right thank you eve ball for your work i literally would not have a lot of this stuff without her and i'm just so glad awesome. that dan recommended it yep me too honestly primary sources we don't i don't read enough of them straight up i don't and i'm glad i got the chance to read this and i'm glad dan recommended it i remember when i first listened to apache tears and i was like wow that sounds crazy yeah and and then i just kind of forgot about it and then every time i'd re-listen to apache tears i'd be like man that sounds crazy <laughs> and then i can actually read the book and then dan dan called it out on our podcast and i'm so glad scott uh i really don't have anything more to expand on on this one okay. um you liked it you're liking it yeah yeah it. I, it's you know the only the only caveat i would throw in there is it's sometimes a little difficult to read or yes it kind of bounces around a little bit that's why it's good we're breaking it up too because it's hard to zoom through this yeah i'm a pretty that. fast reader and i have to take my time with this i'm a chair i you know so okay a couple of uh, housekeeping things here before we sign off okay um anybody who knows Anything about Salt Lake City, please reach out because we're trying to find a bar in Salt Lake City to host a live Talking Hardcore History trivia event yep. the night before Dan Carlin's Salt Lake City show, which we will be at. We will be in the audience. Please uh, join us if you can. We're going to have some giveaways and stuff with some of our upcoming merch, hopefully. Um, <laughs> we're trying to get that all lined up. And uh, we should have that in place to bring with some of us some of that stuff with us for the event. And so if you know any bars in Salt Lake City where this would be good, I'm just cold calling because I've never been to Salt Lake City. I've so there, but I've, I've never. And it looks like most of the bars around the state, the theater are bougie as hell. It's like gastropubs and Everything. stuff where you get a smoked bourbon. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know that they want us in there talking shit about history trivia with them. They're in that fancy thing but i'm calling anyway so come to the discord channel or or shoot us an email at talkinghardcore at gmail.com but please the discord channel is the easiest way to get us um which there'll be a link in the description all right anything else oh we're going to be doing another another podcast matt's going to join us we're going to interview one of the authors of the long hunters which we've talked about several times that's another uh early american native american history um and it's an audiobook only that the Meat Eater, um, Meat Eater Network came out with uh, a couple of months ago. And I've been excited. It's fun. It's a good read. It's only like six-hour audiobook. And one of the authors, um, Dr. Dr. Randall, I um, can't remember his last name, but he's coming on the podcast soon and to talk to us about it, which That'd should be, be awesome. Dope. That's going to be fun. Because if, if you don't listen to the Meat Eater podcast, you should. It's a great way to learn about all kinds of cool stuff. They have people on there who survive bear attacks. They have wildlife that biologists. That bear grease podcast, dude, that has opened my eyes. I love that. The Where the Red Fern Grows episode alone was great. The stuff about yep. Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett was great. Um, yep. I'm just oh, yeah. about to get into the Mississippi River stuff. Oh, I love, I love that, that one. I learned so much. Stuff, man. Thank so, you so what much Matt's talking about that. is. The Meat Eater Podcast Network has another podcast called the Bear Grease Podcast, and it's like a documentary interview slash story where he'll go tell stories while talking to subject matter experts and then filling it in with like a voiceover narrator. 
I'm not doing enough justice to that. But he did a Daniel Boone one that was awesome. Um, Davy Crockett, really good. He has one that came out now about a a gentleman who poached a deer and how his life just fell apart. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, like grown men crying and listening to this. Like that's how crazy, wow. the sto- how sad the story is. His wife dies, all this stuff happens. But it just started because like he was driving by his work and here's this giant buck he's been trying to kill legit. And he's got his bow in his truck and he just goes into autopilot. <laughs> Even though he knows he can't kill it there, he just he gets like this locked in target acquired and he just goes and kills his buck. And then he says, as soon as he's down, he's like, there's no way I'm getting away with this. He just knows. And then his life all unravels. He wasn't like a serial poacher or anything. And I like stuff like that because that can happen to anybody, right? Things can fall apart. You can make a mistake. And it's good to hear from the people who live through those things, too. It helps give you empathy and perspective. But anyway, check out Bear Grease podcast if you haven't. He's also that's Clay Newcomb, and he's also one of the authors of Long Hunters. So that's gonna be it's fun. good stuff. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Again, the rest is history. Start listening to the Aztec episode. Thank you for joining yeah, us for the book series, club. So if you mm-hmm. can get through it to like, uh, well, I'm sure we'll be doing like a summation of all of it. But yep. if you can get to it um, now before, yeah, I'd go love for it. To They're have like 45 minutes. Listen to that. Just join us for that journey. Right. It's like 45 minutes an episode, and they're like, a, there's five of them. But yeah, holy shit, have you not heard the Aztec story told like this before? It blew my mind. I've read I've read so about good. that, and and geez, man, this, this revisionist mm-hmm. stuff they're doing, or just really a fresh perspective, was enlightening, mm-hmm. straight up. Yep, yep. Put a lot more, a lot more respect on the native uh, americans in that right like they weren't just pawns yeah and it's silly to think of it that way right that's that's patronizing really and there's two sides anyway man yep we'll get into that everybody looking forward to it thanks for checking this out and uh look for the link in the description for the uh the discord channel and uh thanks everybody yep have a good night again salt lake city bars good night If you run a bar in Salt Lake City, please come and tell us that we can host our trivia there.